through 7. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you real quick about the tech department. Listen, we got guys, y'all don't even know them. They're just stuck in corners with cobwebs running to their heads. They've just... And that was a compliment to you. Y'all aren't even listening. You've served so long in the same place. We need help. We need people to monitor uh, the cameras. Uh, you know, you say, well, I don't know a lot about technology. You have rhythm? Everybody don't have rhythm. They can't double dutch. They can't jump rope. Have you ever been in a church when the, 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 the guy that's supposed to change the lyrics is one line behind and you want to just... You're sitting there trying to love Jesus. You go, just change the thing. Change the thing. I don't know the words that are coming. We need people with rhythm that can change the thing. We, we need more than one or two, especially adding Sunday nights, because these guys never get to worship and ladies with their families. And so this is not join the nursery and you're in there every Sunday till the rapture. That's not what this is. This is, we're shooting for a Sunday a month, a Sunday night a month. So, hey. I can do that. I love what Dr. Mark Rutland said. He said, most of my ministry, he said, I've been around the world. I've preached on every continent and the face of the earth. But most of my life is sum summarized into walking into a dirty house and knowing where the broom is. We can get it done. If you can help us, if we could get a good chunk of volunteers, that'll cover us for Sunday mornings and Sunday nights into this coming year. So thank you for that. If not, we'll pray something on you. Okay. Some of y'all aren't used to laughing. It's good for you. It's, 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 it's like a merry medicine, the Bible says. All right, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 7. But if our gospel be hid, not only is it the gospel, it's our gospel. It is hid to them that are lost. And by that it means if it's tucked away, still a reality but not shared. The only person that it's hidden from is the lost. Because the church knows it. God knows it. You know it. Your fellow Christian knows it. So if this gospel that has saved you is hid, you need to understand the only person it's hid from is the lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Put your finger right there and pause for just a moment. Had someone write me this week, very sincere, and they said, I just, I just let my light shine. I don't so much preach the gospel. I just want them to see the light in me. Well, your change can't change them. It's the gospel. It's not, it's not, see, I reflect light, but the light of the gospel is the point to the change in me. The change in me uh, doesn't always equate to sharing the gospel. So it says, lest the light of the glorious, Satan hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Not you shine. The gospel message shines unto them. For we preach, not display, Preach, share, articulate ourselves. We don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, 
hath shined in our hearts and given light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face, the person of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Which means those of you that share the gospel, don't worry so much about the vessel that you lose sight of what's in the vessel. We house the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very quickly, Mark 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person, creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Before you're seated this morning, I want to tell you last week, just some, I like sharing with you little nuances from this side of the congregation. I felt like I had a a heavy, two times I've said hammer today, but a heavy hammer while preaching. And I, I felt like I was aware that I didn't have to swing it hard because it was hitting heavy. That's what it felt like while I was preaching. We sing, we just don't preach the gospel. We journal, we just don't preach the gospel. We, we feed people, we clothe people, we open our homes, we pray for people, we intercede, we serve, we watch the nursery, we serve in kids' zone. We just don't preach the gospel. And we felt that last week. I just... I didn't feel like I, it was complete, and so by God's grace, I want to share with you this morning just a continuation, and we're going to talk about the why nots, and let us take an honest look. Listen, if you look in the Word of God, like the mirror of the Word of God, the Bible teaches us that some walk away as if they never saw what they saw, but if you see it, you can make the appropriate changes in a moment. I want to talk to you about our responsibility, first part of our mission statement, for you to win the lost. Yes, collectively, but you individually. And you cannot win anyone, underline anyone, without sharing the gospel. It is taught, not caught. Father, thank you for this opportunity that's mine. And... You know that I am at best an unprofitable servant. You know the deal. I'm not being self-deprecating. If it were not for your grace, I'd be consumed. I want to just keep saying it publicly. For this reason, I know you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And I'm asking you today, Lord, you know that I can't help anybody with anything without your anointing. Because the letter killeth, but the Spirit... The Spirit giveth life. And so I'm asking you for that life to illuminate the Word and let us, when we hear preaching today, Lord, let us not be thinking of what's my neighbor going to do or my spouse, but what about me? What about me? Am I fulfilling the privilege and the duty and the calling of preaching the gospel to others? Now we thank you for today, Lord. Let this be a, a, a deep profound work in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Talked a lot last week about what the gospel was, and the gospel is a message. It's bad news before it's good news. We talked about the gospel being the communication of a believer to a lost person, telling them their position, their depravity, their sinfulness, their sin has separated them from God. They're, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. 
they are not only sinful, but helpless. No one can help themselves be saved. You have about as much responsibility in your new birth as you had in your first birth. You, you can't birth yourself into the world and you can't birth yourself into the kingdom. And we, we articulated that they need to understand that, that salvation is the gift of God. It's not the efforts of man. You're not, you know, hey man, are you a Christian? Well, I'm, I'm kind of turning things around. I'm, I'm making some changes. You aren't. They, they need to hear. Dead people can't get there. There's not a path. It's a gift. It's, you're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But today I wanted to kind of uh, emphasize, if you will, on, on the why we don't. And I'm sorry, there's so much. Very quickly, don't miss tonight. Don't miss tonight. We are going to stu begin study, if Jesus allows, on the gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Over the next several weeks, we are going to cover all the hot topics of the power gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, tongues. Does everybody pray in tongues? What does it mean if you don't? Speaking in tongues in the church, we're going to cover all of that. But we're going to talk about the beauty and, and God's design for the gifts in the life of the believer. We're going to talk about the infilling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being sealed with the Spirit. So you don't want to miss that. Back to the sermon. Okay. Why don't we preach the gospel? Number one, because we don't know it clear enough to share it. All this time. One of the verses that should humble you. See, when we say conviction, we don't mean browbeat like an abusive husband uh, uh, intimidating a small woman at home. But we're talking about one of those convictions. One of my anchor statements is when Paul said, by this time, you ought to be preaching to other people. By this time, you ought to be teachers, and you're still on pablum. You're still on breast milk. I mean, you got whiskers, and we're on a bottle. You know what I'm saying? We, we ought to, by this time, we ought to be able to listen to someone's conversation, sharing the gospel, and hop in and tag and finish the story. We wouldn't do that at work. We wouldn't show up to work. Most people wouldn't, uneducated and, and, and not up to speed. You can't show up to class, not up to speed. Uh, you ever seen a mechanic that knows what he's doing and another mechanic beside him going to the at Google what to do? And he, he's not up to speed. But one of the reasons we don't share the gospel is we're not up to speed. We know more about our shows than we do the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't know where the gospel's found, but we know what channel our show's on. Now, I'm not being legalistic. I'm telling you, how can you know? It's because through familiarity. I watch it. I know what times it comes on. I DVR it. I know where it is. Every place has a thing. Everything has a place. Then what place does the gospel hold in your life? It ought to be in there. First cupboard. You know, we don't put our daily glasses and plates on the top shelf. I want access to it. I want it right here. We need to understand fully the plan of Christ before the foundation of the earth was laid, that Christ would be our substitute, the virgin birth, the spotless life, the substitutionary and finished work of Christ. We need to be able to articulate every man's condition. I talked to you about this, depravity, 
sinfulness, guilt, hopelessness, relation to God, and impending judgment. And then we need, to, we need to be able to articulate God's overarching role in salvation. Salvation is not brought about by the will of man. That's what the scripture says. But it's of God. We play a part, but it's God that gives us understanding of the part, conviction, which is permission to repent, the drawing, the wooing, the pushing, the enlightenment, and the new birth. But salvation is of, of the Lord. Luke chapter 15. Very quickly, you don't have to turn there. But it's the story. Jesus is explaining to those in the crowd about God's role. Who God is in this part of interacting with people. Not just creator. He talked about a man that had two sons. And one of his sons spent all that he had on riotous living. And he, he began to experience famine and be in want. And he started to die. And he said to himself, if I just make at home my father's servants have bread enough to spare. If I, just make, if I go home and repent, he'll take me back. And the father, seeing him afar off, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And said, bring the, kill the fatted calf and bring the robe and put shoes on his feet. My son that was lost is now found. And they began to celebrate and be merry. He said, the kingdom of God is like a, a woman who lost a priceless, priceless coin. And she said, we ain't just going to forget about this. And she swept out the whole house. Ain't nothing like a woman looking for something in a house. You know, couches. Women get supernatural strength all of a sudden. You know, seven-person couch up on its end. Refrigerator pulled out. She's sweeping. And she's not going to stop until she finds it and when she finds it she calls all her friends don't worry baby I found it it's all okay it's good and everyone's happy and then he, Jesus said and the kingdom of God is like and I was like where is God going with this it's like a, a, a shepherd who has a, a, a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off and he will go out and leave the 99 and go look for the one and until he find it and then bring it back on his shoulders rejoicing. Now watch this. So when you're sharing the gospel, if you don't understand God's role in it, how are you going to articulate it? Okay. Your role. Lost. A son who lost his mind. A coin who don't have no mind. And a, a sheep that doesn't know what to do. Okay, so watch this. The coin doesn't know it's lost. Here's your lost friends. The coin doesn't know it's lost. The lamb knows it's lost but don't know how to get back home. And the son, the prodigal's lost, but he's in too much rebellion to go back home. When you're sharing the gospel, one of those three categories fits the person you're talking to. So you don't know you're lost. Well, let's talk about sin and the wages of sin being death. And there's none righteous, no, not one. So what are you going to do when the soul that sinneth it shall die? Well, God and I are good. No, you feel good, but you're not good. Are we in agreement that the scriptures are the standard? Yes. Then my feelings have nothing to do with it. Well, my preacher said I was saved. He lied. Maybe not on purpose, but out of error. He lied. Because unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not born again. See, the, the coin doesn't know it's lost. And you're saying... I'm not saying you're bad in the sense of uh, you are, are, are violent and abusive. 
I'm saying you're sinful. And then you group yourself right in with them. So am I. All have sinned and fallen short of the glorious gospel. There's none righteous, no, not one. See, the coin doesn't need you to put your arm around them and go, God understands, it's okay. And they go to hell. We're, we stick our head in the sand and just hope people get saved. The coin needs to know that they're lost. The lamb that is strained, uh, strayed, you know, that person was raised in church, they know better, they used to know the Lord, and, and they don't know how to get back home. You need to take them by the hand and tell them how to get back. We just got to repent, baby. We, come on, come on. You got to break this off. I told you that guy was bad. I told you from the beginning. Stop. Don't kill him. Just leave him. Come on. Go this way. Stop. Cancel all that you were doing. Get rid of Stop. Go back to square one. Repent and redo the first works over again. Build your altar. You remember how you were. And you bring them back to God. You're sharing the gospel that they knew, but they've now abandoned. And then we have, let's see, we said the, the coin doesn't know it's lost. The prodigal did. And what? And, 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 the, and the prodigal, you got you to tough love. You, you're not, you're not going to win the prodigal. Can, can we just talk? You know I love you, right? That, that's not going to help a prodigal. You have to look a prodigal and I go, you're a fool. You're a fool. Oh, Pastor John, you don't talk to people like that. The ones that need that, yeah, just not too long ago in my office. I listened and I said, now, we've done life a long time together, right? So, yeah, how, how, how straightforward can I talk to you, being that I'm going to answer for your soul? Just shoot straight. I said, you're a fool. You think that you can act like I don't know who you once were in the Lord. You think... I've forgotten the tenderness of your heart, the uplifted hand and tears stained on your face when we talked about Jesus, when you sang of Jesus. You think I've forgotten that you were the first one in and the last one to leave, not because of legalism, because God's house was where you wanted to be. You think that I've forgotten that you would tell of the riches of God's grace in your life. You're a fool. You separated what was yours and your father's. You took yourself out of the father's house. You went on a long journey. It led to, uh, the, the, the departure led to distance. The distance led to famine. The famine left to disease and loss and destruction. And the only thing that's going to save you is coming to yourself. It's in the prodigal. Go look it up. You need to come to yourself. And I'm going to stand in your way whether all these quote... Christian friends of yours or not are just concerned about you liking them. If you never talk to me, I'm going to stand in your way and say the bridge is out. Turn back to God. Preach the gospel. Not just the saving gospel, but the restorative gospel. The redeeming gospel, the gospel of second chance, the gospel of repentance, all, all of it's inclusive. That Christ is the way. Go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. So when we're lost, go to Jesus. And after we're found, go back to Jesus. So Kelly and I were talking yesterday, and, uh, you know, Kelly, Kelly doesn't, 
advise me a lot, but when she says stuff, y'all remember E.F. Hutton? When E.F. Hutton talks, these young people go, who, if F who, F-R what? Stop. Google it, E.F. Hutton. Back when commercials meant something. Um, so when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And Kelly has really deep waters, and she doesn't just come in and just try to talk to me, you know, with word salad. And she'll come in and she'll say, like, John, have you ever thought about da 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 And then walks out, and I'm just like, all my circuits are blown. <laughs> Not in the last two weeks, I haven't, no. <laughs> but we were talking about this. Why don't people share the gospel? Now, there's a reason, I think this was in law line, we were talking about, there's reasons we give, but none of them are valid. By reason, I mean it explains why, but they're not acceptable, and they're and are excuses. You, you got Mike, Kelly, will you tell them some of what we're talking about? I'm going to put her on the screen. I asked permission, right. by the way. Awesome. All right, Josh, you got me. Thank you. Are you coming up? Just make yourself at home. Come oh, on up. Yeah, I can. It's like, it's better no, than just take over. It's just good. Take over. It's my problem. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all, she busts my chops all the time. I, got I do. I do. And he thought I was just like, when we were dating, I think he thought I was flirting with him, but I wasn't. I was just busting his chops. <laughs> she just wanted my money. Poor, poor thing. Poor thing. <laughs> just tell the thing about the sermon. Oh. Ab oh, about why you came up here. Yeah, oh. about, about the loss. I thought, first of all, like, in one sense, some of it's been coming to me because before service, he's like, what was that thing that we were saying yesterday? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I can't remember. I think one thing is we think that everybody and almost everything that we do in life is an expert on that thing. Think about anything you do, if it's a new career or something like that. Sometimes when you learn about it, you're really kind of afraid to say what you think about it because you always assume somebody knows better than you, right? Okay, does anybody have like a hobby or anything like that that they've done that, you know, like, I'm just going to keep quiet about it right now. I think sometimes we do that when it comes to the gospel and the truth because we are afraid that somebody is going to say something that contradicts us. But the truth is, there's nothing that contradicts him. I mean, there are things that will try to, but like, he's, he's the truth. He's the ultimate truth. There's only one thing in this life of which there is an expert manual on something. Everybody else's thing is just an opinion, right? Based on your experience. Think about it with doctor's offices and things like that. I used to think, well, the doctor knows everything, and I'm just going to listen to what the doctor says. And then as you get older, you realize that the doctor is only as good as what he practices, right? Some have more experience than again. others. The doctor. The, only, the doctor is only as good as what he practices, okay? You learn that about everything, like who's good at this? Jessica Ryan and I were talking about, like, who's a good massage therapist? Well, you all know that different people have different levels of skill based on their expertise, just because somebody has doctor on their name doesn't mean that they're like the expert at that. It's what they practice. And everything's a little bit of trial and error because there is nothing in this life to which that's the one standard answer. Let me, let me jump in right here. But see, this is where the Holy Spirit, the, the part that makes salvation not just a mental agreement with what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit comes and bears witness yes. with your testimony. Where that man said, 
I, I don't know what all y'all are talking about, about doctrine, but I was once blind, and now I see. Yes. You see, and you, you tell the friend, you go, you knew me. I don't do church. I'm not hung up in some cult. He forgave me. The guilt of my sins is gone. Not because I didn't do them, but because Jesus Christ paid for them. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to the gospel. He doesn't bear witness to your stories unless they are interwoven with the gospel. You said you had, uh, your friend Christy was going to say. Were you, uh, yeah, I just, oh, Christy, on, I, was like, yeah, I was like, I'm going to put her Christy? on the spot. I did tell her ahead of time. So if Christy would go ahead and she's making her way up. There are a couple of things recently that have just made such an impact on me. and This was so beautiful. And it was just really so beautiful. And I want to share just a little bit as a precursor. Um, the, the Ard family recently lost their matriarch of their family, who is just a wonderful um, champion of the faith. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. I mean, her reach and influence and her entire, I mean, I'm sure entire communities and generations of people have been changed because of who she is. And Christy's her granddaughter. Um, but I remember my friend Lori telling me this as she walked through a terrible battle with dementia you know, which steals so much of what you know. But one of the things, and I really hope this is okay for me to share. If not, Lori, please forgive me after. But um, she said to me one day, in the midst of all this, as she was walking this path of like not knowing who family members were and daughters, that as she approached the end, one of her things that she said that was her primary concern was that she had not told enough people about Jesus. And if you think about this disease that steals so much of your life and like who you are, but that thing remained in her heart and her spirit. Now, Christy's going to explain this, yeah. but she was a daily evangelist, though. Yes. That's, that's the dynamic. Someone that every day of her life just about shared the gospel. And so all these cognitive abilities are gone. She goes, oh, I hoped I told enough people. She, would you let... Yeah, Christy and I just wanted to... Yeah. I, Kind of what you shared, your call to action at her funeral. Would you mind sharing a little bit of that as the Holy Spirit? Y'all bless been her praying this morning, you. would you? So. Thank you, Christy. Come on. You can use it. Okay. Um, I wasn't originally supposed to speak at my grandmother's funeral, but I just felt like I should. And so, of course, I asked my mom and my aunts. I was like, is it okay if I share? Wasn't exactly sure what I was going to share, but then as Holy Spirit began to talk, I was going one direction and then ended up going a different direction. Um, but what I spoke on was based on Psalms 9, 1 through 4, or 1 through 2. And it says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. And the parts that I spoke about were um, my grandmother, she loved to praise God. She did. She would throw her hands up at any given moment, and she was praising the Lord. And so I asked everyone that was there, I said, will you praise the Lord? Each of these four sentences, it says, I will. So you have a choice. And Jason even um, spoke on this a little bit. We have a choice as to how we respond to God's word. Mm -hmm. So whatever it says we can choose to do it or not. So with each of these sentences, I asked, will you praise the Lord with your whole heart? 
And the second statement said, I will tell of your marvelous works, which is exactly what we're talking about now, is telling of his marvelous works. And that is the one thing that my grandmother did constantly. She was an itty-bitty thing. We called her tiny but mighty. Um, <laughs> she would sit down. If you were conversing with her within just a few minutes, at some point, Jesus was going to come up. And she was going to tell you about Jesus in some way that he impacted her life or what you should do to get your life straight with God. So, and most of those conversations took place on her front porch. So that was um, about three weeks before she passed away. Um, Laurie, my Aunt Laurie was sitting with her and she looked at Laurie and she said, got really worried, like a serious, you know, granted, she did not know who she was most of the time towards the end. She didn't know who we were. She did not know where she was. She would all of a sudden just get really startled, and she's looking around, and she's like, where am I at? Where am I at? Um, so think about that as this question was asked to my aunt. She just looked over, and she said, do you, do you think that I have told enough people about mm. Jesus? She was so, she could not feed herself. She could not change her clothes. She could not do any of those things. And she said, have I told enough people about Jesus? And my Aunt Laurie responded. She said, I think you have. And she's like, but, but I don't know. Do you think I have, have told enough? And she was so concerned about that. She may have forgotten who we were. She for, didn't know where she was. None of that. But not one single time during her those, she was 90 years old when she passed away. Did she ever forget who Jesus was? Like she knew that was ingrained in her because she loved him so. So she told of, and so I asked, will you tell of God's marvelous works, what he's done for you? Because that's what's going to help draw others to him. And then um, I will be glad and rejoice in you. So will you be glad and rejoice in all that God has done? Because she went through some hard things in her life, but she could have let it make her bitter, but she didn't. She chose to take that, turn it around, not cause a generational curse to fall on her family, and she chose to be glad and rejoice in God. And the last thing was, I will sing of your, um, I will sing praise to your name, Almost High. So she loved to sing. I cannot sing at all. I. I do, but I can't sing. <laughs> so my kids in the car are probably like, Mama, stop. But that was one thing she did. She sung. And those songs, those hymns that were in her heart, those were the things that calmed her when she got in a, a spot. So those were the, the four things that I asked um, as I spoke at her funeral. And so um, is you, that, do you need anything yes, else? Yes, exactly what, the perfect. perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, she really made herself vulnerable just sharing one snippet. But see, this gives me the context to share with you what I'm about to share with you. Now, this may offend your familial sense, your family sense. But the body of Christ is more real and truer to your identity than your earthly family. According to Scripture. Even though she was mighty what? What did they say? Tiny mighty. And even though it was grandma and mama and all those things. She was a Christian. And so see, when your mind starts to fail, even the things you think are preeminent and paramount for the Christian, 
their sonship and their stewardship is paramount and preeminent over all things. Here she is with the cognitive ability dying, but the truest part of her, I'm going to stand before God. Have I told enough? Have I shared enough? We are going to give an account for the deeds done and left undone. Sins of omission and commission. And see, if you're getting your Christianity off television, there's very little about responsibility and how to go to the next level and get your next blessing and stuff. This is a stewardship. Listen, I did nothing to merit salvation. And I am responsible for everything that follows salvation. My works, my giving, my serving, my evangelism, my discipling, my nurturing, my going, my forgiving, you see. And the works, the, the, the reward in heaven is going to be based on works. Now listen to your pastor. You'll tell somebody, man, thank you so much. That meant so much. Oh, no, it was nothing. It was, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. No. I know what you're saying, but you've been taught wrong. It was you. Because if it was the Lord, he would be unjust to reward you for something you didn't do. Did you follow me? If it was the Lord that did it, then why would he reward you for it? He empowers you. And yes, he assists in. But we are going to give an account and we're going to see receive reward for the deeds in our body. And in heaven, you know, people say we throw all our crown, we throw our crowns at Jesus' feet. It's popular in all the Christian songs. That ain't what the scripture says. It speaks of the elders around the throne, which means in the governmental dynamic of authority and authorities over authorities. You, O oh Lord, are the supreme authority. But the crowns that the Lord gives believers worn throughout the millennium and the age of ages, aren't for feelings of superiority. They bring glory to the Lord that someone as worthless before grace as me got to share others, with, share the gospel with them and spend a life sharing the gospel. And what if Christ, Mark, places on our head a soul winner's crown? says, you led them to me. So it's part of recognition in heaven, just like when a wife takes her husband's name, we've not only taken his name, but we're, we're known by, and it's not, see, in the earth you're known by rewards and awards for superiority. In heaven it's for distinction, and all distinction brings glory to the Lord. It's not look what I did, it's that look what I was allowed to do for the Lord. There's no superiority. And now, you know, in our church, we have people leave quite often. I had one tell me not too long ago, I said, did I say something? That no, it's just too real. I just can't do that. I can't do it. I couldn't believe they were so honest. I said, excuse me? It's just, it's just too real. Would you rather be unreal? The Bible says, here's one of those real ones, that there will be people in heaven called least in the kingdom. Not by name, but it's a grouping. And those will be called great in the kingdom. Since none of us are good, 
What is least and great based upon? Works. My works do not save me. I'm not working towards salvation. I'm working from salvation. And I must preach the gospel. So, so why wouldn't we? Well, our indifference. We're indifferent. Our indifference contradicts our identity of a son, a servant, a stewardship. People don't share the gospel because they're indifferent. They're indifferent to their responsibility and their friend's lostness. Fear. Our fear contradicts our forgiveness and position in Christ. Perfect love is supposed to cast out all fear. In the sense of you know that God has loved you and forgiven you. So their opinion of me in that moment compared to their lostness. Why would I be afraid if a drowning man was offended at the color of the life preserver I gave him? You see, it's like we're quasi-drunk, anesthesia. The world We've been breathing in so much of the world's ideas that we're afraid of stupid things. I remember when I crossed over and I just said, I just like Navy because it's Navy. I go down to the beach, had a Michigan hat on. They go, love you blue. I said, what? This really happened. The guy goes, blue, love you blue. I said, love you back? I had no idea what, I had no idea what he was talking about. He goes, what's wrong with you? I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, your hat. And I went, oh, I, I, I just like blue. And the guy said, so you just, yeah, something like that. He said, so you just bought that because it's blue? I said, yeah. There was a time in my life that I crossed over most of the fear of what other people think or feel or say. I just like blue, man. I proposed to my wife in an Auburn jersey. I'm not an Auburn fan, but that blue and orange was so so cool. I love it, you know. And listen. Some of you need to get over yourself and share the gospel. So what if they think you're wrong? So what if they think you're a fool? If you're standing in front of them, weeping them, sharing with the good news of Jesus Christ, that seed, that eternal germinating seed, get rid of the fear. Your reputation is not the preeminent thing here. We've got to get over ourselves. Stop it. Our bondage, one of the reasons we don't share the gospel is our bondage. We have vices and lust and practices that contradict the message of freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And, and the devil knows, see, if I can get you practicing sin and bondage, you're not going to share the gospel because your own life contradicts it, which is true. So I'm going to tell this man how Jesus can set you free, and I ain't free. I'm sorry, Kelly, and I'm not free. She's helping me with my vocabulary and diction, and it's an <laughs> ongoing struggle. Good thing I don't have a reputation to keep. Can't kick a habit, but Jesus can set you free. Can't get over fear, but Jesus can quiet all your fears. So we're preaching an all-inclusive gospel that God can make all things new. He can make mine new. 
we've done used excuses so many times in so many places. We don't, we don't know what we got. We, we don't know if we're a raccoon or a racehorse. We don't know what's going on. I think we need to strip the varnish back down and just get a new boat. Y'all seen the flex seal where the guy cut the boat in half and tapes the boat? He tapes the boat. I saw it on video. It floated. It went. So he tapes the boat, got an outboard on it. He's, might I suggest we just throw that boat away, throw the flex seal away, and get a new boat? What if this sermon series made you just say, just throw, okay, what we have pieced together, this is not what God designed. I'm going to have the gospel. I'm going to know the gospel. I'm going to live the gospel, and I'm going to share it with everyone. And I'm going to learn my own rhythm to that, how to start the subjects. But hey, man, how's, how's the inner life doing? Huh? You know, the real you, how are you doing? Plant seed, get used to it. But this fear of what they think. If they call Jesus, the master of the house, Beelzebul, the Lamb of God, they call the Lord of the Flies. You know you need night classes, right? You know it's coming, right? Hey, you just, you're accustomed to that. Our worldview contradicts the reality of our heavenly citizenship. You're going to tell them about a heaven and you love the world. Let me give you scripture again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. 1 John 2. Well, I love the world and I love God. No, you don't. God says you don't love him. And one of you is lying. And being that God don't lie, I guess that leaves us. And the evidence of the Christ follower is they don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, is not of the Father, but the world. If our priorities contradict the idea of being a new creation in Christ Jesus, our deceptions contradict the brilliant clarity of those who walk in the light of His countenance. What I'm trying to say is, we don't share the gospel when, I, when we live in contradiction to the gospel. If I believe it, and I live it, and my heart does not condemn me, then I ought to be sharing it. But don't export what doesn't work at home. Just quiet in here. John, that was so good. Thank you very much. Number three, we just got about five minutes here. Why don't we preach the gospel to others? Because maybe secretly we don't really believe it is the gospel. An exclusive gospel. Can I just give you three verses? I know y'all... Love Bible here. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son, which means not an intellectual assent. Well, uh, an assent. Well, I believe in Jesus. That's not what it means. Belief is not an intellectual assent or agreement. But it is a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the person and redemptive work of Jesus. Satan believes that Jesus exists, but he's not saved. So he that believeth on the Son, he that has a firm, reliant, exclusive trust on the person and the redeeming work of the Son, hath life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, there's another motivator for the gospel. 
that person that's not a Christian, the wrath of God hovers over them. The Bible says in Acts 4, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It is an arrogant or confident position to stand in front of the world and say, My God is the only God. My gospel is the only gospel. We're either right or wrong. But I've chosen my, my, my stand. I've chosen my place. I've chosen my message. I've chosen my, message, my mission. And to preach the gospel is my calling. W- will you cue that video for me for uh, Penn Gillette? You remember I told you last week, I alluded to the little video about Penn and Teller. So here's a, a renowned atheist, very kind man, very cerebral. He's brilliant. But ju- just watch this. And hear this coming from someone that's not a Christian and tells you I'm not a Christian. He's appreciative of you. I'm happy that you found what you're looking for. Listen to this. And I've always said, you know, that I I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. An atheist with more insight than a great portion of the church. How much do you have to hate someone to not share the gospel with them if you believe it? I think we've been kind of, um, Josh, if you'd cue that for me. I think we've kind of been um, hypnotized in the world. So my friend's about to get hit by a truck or they're dying. And I just stand on the street corner and tell them how much I love them. You know, you're a good friend to me. Thank you for being there. Appreciate the times we've had. And we let them die. For us, it is not just an awareness, but it's it's a commitment to intentionality. Where, Where is the cry in your heart? Where is the cry in our heart collectively? Woe unto me, if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I stand before the Lord, none of y'all are going to be there. Say, John, did you tell them? Did you tell them clearly? Did you tell them factually? 
Did you tell them consistently? Did you tell them experientially? Did you tell them joyfully? If I'm not careful, I'll create a world for God to bless than for me to go out into the world and be the blessing. You have the words of eternal life. You have the key. I had someone uh, who I've known for many, many years. I thought this was just priceless. And we'll be done here just very shortly. She said, I buy uh, a set of, I think it was 50 keys at a time, kind of like old vintage looking reproduction keys. And I carry them with me in my purse. And every time the Lord opens up a door to share the gospel, I hand them this key. And I said, this is the key to everything that's broken. This is the key to your sins. This is the key to your... I said, I might have to steal it. I might have to steal it. But I'll do some masculine keys, Andy. You know, like a a bronze or a burnt burnt alloy of some kind. How much do you have to hate someone not to share the gospel with? last verses Revelation 20 verse 15 and whosoever was found not written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire and in another place it says and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever some of you may not even know this verse last one Isaiah 5, 14, hell hath enlarged itself, which means the mouth of hell has to keep expanding to take in the multitudes that are dying without Christ. It, it's kind of like trying to get everybody in a small restaurant, except hell is not small. The, the gate, the door, won't. It's, it's gorged. It's, it's full. The Bible says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Many. Part of the Christian life is very burdensome. Because according to the scoreboard, I'm not winning. We're not winning. Scripture tells us many go in there at. I'm not responsible for the scoreboard. I'm responsible for sharing what wonderful things God has done for me. The gospel. How can you win the lost without preaching the gospel? You can't. We'll tie it all together here. That's why our churches our churches are full of unsaved people. They are modifying the behavior of the person without anchoring them to the reality of life in Christ. Stop doing those things. Start doing those things. Be a member of our church. Come to the cookouts. You know, be in a life group. What life? He that hath the Son hath life. It's all tied to the gospel. The final thing I want to share with you before we go home this morning is how easy it is to win people. What? I didn't say every time. 
but when they're ready, the Bible said the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not. So a person dead in their trespasses and sin, are there levels of dead? We talk about some of our unsaved family and friends. Oh, they 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 all the way gone. Well, dead's pretty gone, isn't it? No, no, these are really dead. So see, there's a trick of the enemy. Ain't no levels of dead. You're either dead in your sins or alive unto God. Everyone that's ever been saved came the same way. Okay? The God of this world hath blinded their eyes through man's intellect, secular humanism, relativism, any ism you think of, all this stuff that's blinded them and they can't see. And all it takes, it says, notice the, uh, and I can't tell you all the grammatical explanations, but how the word lest just connects the two. What's that? I mean, preposition, supposition, dangling popsicle, any of those, I don't know. It says, now watch, the God of this world hath blinded their eyes, lest the light of the gospel should hit them and their eyes open. Oh, it's so easy to win them to Jesus when you have the gospel. It's so easy to win them to Jesus when you have the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Let it do its work. You ain't got to put crutches under it and buttress it up. You don't have to pour oils on it and rub it. Preach the gospel. Let it do its work. Let them come to faith. And as, as, as you watch, you know the seeds in there and then water it. How's it going with what we talked about? I really don't want to talk about it right now. All right, I'll check with you later. No problem. Just let it germinate. Let it germinate. That nine months in a lady's womb before that child is born. I've watched my friends in the womb of the Spirit. I've watched them over the years. It's, it's not a perfect parallel, but it's, it's a good one. I've watched them. I, they just as lost as they can be, and I could see it, that baby kick. I'm like, oh. I had to tell them. You know, that was a Christian kick, by the way. I don't know if you know that. I told one of my friends, I said, I ain't worried about you. You're being saved. He said, what do you mean? I said, you ever go fishing? He said, yeah. I said, Here, here's the fish. Here's you. I'm preaching the gospel. He goes, what do you mean? I'm just reeling you in. It's just a matter of time. I told him. I said, you don't understand. I put this seed in you years ago, and I've watered it for years. You are going to be born again. And he was. Lest all it takes is the light of the glorious gospel to shine unto them, and all of hell's efforts in your life were destroyed and vanquished and removed and you were recreated in Christ Jesus born again of the spirit past forgotten hope returned heaven is your home all of it changed on the gospel on the gospel what would it mean to go to a church whose mission statement is win the lost and you don't even participate I hope this message has made you uncomfortable enough to repent of that hypocrisy and just start day one. I'm telling people about Jesus Christ. Not just that he lives. I'm going to tell them what it means. Has this been helpful for you today? Amen. Jason, would you come and pray over us this morning? Would you come? I love you, son. Just come and pray over us this morning. Y'all stand with us this morning. Tonight, 6 o'clock sharp.
Well, if you still have an excuse after that message, your heart's hard and you've decided to plant your flag on that excuse because that message has done away with any excuse that any would have not to share the gospel. During praise and worship this morning, throughout this message, there was a line in the worship, my praise is a weapon. And I just had a quick snapshot of when I was in the military. Some folks you just can't do nothing with. They're just a can't get right. They are on their own program, no matter. You can't beat them straight. You can't talk them straight. There's just, they're on their own program. They're only concerned about them and their good time, no matter what's going on. And I thought to myself, I want to be that for God. I want to be on God's program and be so committed to that that I can't be de detoured in any way whatsoever. No thing said about me, no group that excludes me, no oppression or uh, persecution that comes upon I just want to be sold out for him. I want to be on God's program to the place where it doesn't matter what anyone does to try to dilute it pollute it, beat it out of me. I want to stand here and point to him and say he is the only way. He is the only way. The enemy is overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Stop with whatever your excuse is and preach the gospel. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the opportunity to live life surrendered to you that we may go forth and through the empowerment of Holy Spirit be honorable vessels for your kingdom, sharing the gospel, the good news of the finished work of Jesus Christ so that others would have scales fall from their eyes, so that others would see the prison walls shatter and fall, so that others would be liberated, restored, and redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity, God. I pray that none of us go forward and push this idea to the side, but that we be continually convicted, open the door of opportunity for us to preach the gospel to the lost. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this body of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have a blessed Lord's Day, and don't forget, tonight at 6 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, Sunday night at the chapel. I was blind to the truth, didn't know what I had. I was running, I was searching, but every place I turned for healing left me more broken than the last.